Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, yeah, my son already did, but to brag on Jesse and LaDonna, uh, if you don't know, like, they're paid very, very little from Thrive. They work full-time outside. They have five kids, and they kill it with our youth every week. And, you know, it's a blessing in the fact that in so many ways, like, the biggest thing to entrust your kid to somebody else and be like, what are they telling them? What are they? And I never, we never worry about that. We know they're loving on our young people, pouring into them, giving them Jesus. They kill it. Uh, our youth ministry has never been this amazing. God moving this um, much among them. Attendance too, but not just numbers. Health, God loving on them in their space. They're killing it. So give it up for them again. They are killing it. LaDonna's not in here, so she'll, she'll have to go back and listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> um, uh, she doesn't have to, uh, but she can. <laughs> um, our, just Thrive is an amazing church, and uh, that's not a compliment to me because I'm not the church. You are. You're an amazing church. And I feel a privilege and humbled. Every Sunday I get to get up and, and share the word. Like, it's a big deal. It's such a big deal. People make it small. Or they think, well, you know, if you're at this big church, or like, it's such a big deal. God moving in our midst, being in the presence of his people, speaking. It's just amazing. We often minimize it, make it smaller, make it about the stuff and the programs, and it's so not. How many people have had amazing times with the Lord, and it wasn't at the big thing? Sometimes it was, right? But man, like the moments of momentum, our young people going, and God just touching their lives, nobody paid them for that. That was their hearts being willing and going. Yeah, somebody put it on. But what's, if nobody goes, like what ama- what's amazing isn't who's there and on the stage, but the willing hearts that come, and then God meeting those people, and using, and the same thing here. It's just, I'm just humbled, I'm just blessed uh, to, to, to be just part of an amazing church. This morning, coming in, I've, uh, we've had a stomach thing going through our house, that's why my wife is not here this morning. Gloria decided to join in, and um, uh, I, had, uh, I had mine uh, the last few days. Today is the first day in like three days I haven't had like serious stomach cramps, so that's fun. It's nice, though. I've got an ab workout in, which is great, and uh, as you can tell, I need it. So uh, it's, it's nice to not have that, but uh, even this morning as you roll in, you have some weeks that you're like, wow, it's amazing, and so many people, and other weeks you're like, well... The Lord is with us, and, 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 and this morning, you know, as we load in for setup, just, just a great setup team here pouring their lives out, 
It's just so good. Just, just what a blessing, you know? And I'm thinking, this morning I don't have to kill myself because so many people are like, hey, we got this, we're here. And I was here, we're, we're still, but just that. You don't know, I'm friends with a lot of pastors and pastors of big churches and small. There are so many pastors. Anybody who gets just a little bit outside of the city, the fact that we have rotating worship teams and they're all great is such a gift. It's unbelievable. It's such a blessing. Like there are churches who somebody's been playing every Sunday for the last 12 years and they really shouldn't be playing at all because they're terrible. You know, we don't have those people. Like it's a huge gift. It's a huge blessing. We have people rotating out of kids' ministry. Now, they, and I, I know we don't have the teams where we want to be, but at the same time, let me tell you, five years ago compared to now, unbelievable, <laughs> um, amazing. God is good. He is faithful. And he's been faithful to this church, and you've been faithful to him, and I'm just, I'm just grateful, blessed. This church is amazing. Um, so with that said, I guess I should preach something. Um, <laughs> we're rounding out James. We're finishing up James, and next week, next week we go into Advent in our Christmas series, Behold. Um, and uh, this week is Thanksgiving. Anybody excited? Woo! <laughs> Sound mildly excited. Like, yeah, uh, we still got to work, you know, till, till Thursday. Um, or some of you are like, well, my in-laws are coming, so, hmm. I mean, I kind of am. Um, we're excited for food, but no. If you need a place to go for Thanksgiving, please let us know, because the Linemans would love to have you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, if you do need a place to go, please let us know. Uh, we've had many years where we've had people over or other people in church. Like if you, don't, don't be shy about that. Don't, be, don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel alone. Man, we love it. Uh, we actually even have a family coming in from out of town. My, my uh, dear friends of ours and uh, slash my son's girl, girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Nathan's coming home uh, tomorrow. I'm excited for that for the week. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be good. Hopefully, we'll we'll all uh, we'll all feel super great by Thursday, so we can gorge ourselves and feel terrible again. Um, <laughs> that's bad advice. And speaking of bad advice, let's talk about James. James is that's pretty good, right? James is rounding out his book, rounding out his letter to this church, and as he wraps it up, James is a guy. He was the half brother of Jesus. He wrote a letter to basically the church across Jerusalem and beyond, and it was basically his wisdom as a pastor for years. So this is the church that Peter kind of started, the Apostle Peter. And he led it, and then Peter went on to plant other churches. There used to be a time when a church got to a place where the apostles were like, all right, now we're done. We're going to give it to another pastor. We're going to keep doing this work. Now it's, it's different, but back then that's kind of how they did church. And James eventually took over that church and then kept pastoring it on. So here's a guy who did not believe his brother was the Messiah, which is a pretty normal thing, right? Not too many of us. If your brother says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the true one from God, you might be like, I, I don't know, I don't know. I know my brother, I love him very much. I would not believe him. Uh, I know him far too well to think that. 
James comes to the belief he is the Messiah, which is one of the evidences Jesus might just be the Messiah when a family member, your brother, anybody here have brothers? Anybody here have a brother? Right? Most of us have a brother, right? Anybody here think that he's the Messiah? You should maybe put your hands down or talk to us after. Um, no, no, because brothers are the best, but also the worst, right? I've actually been watching with our family a little bit, Malcolm in the Middle, again, and that's a great show of brotherhood and what it can be like. You, you do the best things together, but you also do the worst things together. James comes to believe, my brother is the Christ, the one true son of God, which probably gives evidence Maybe he might have been. And then James takes over this church and he pastors it for many years. And he writes this letter probably just weeks before he is beaten to death for his faith in Christianity. And this is basically the sum total of his life. And he rounds out and he ends this letter with a theme. And that theme is basically his godly advice to the church. Anybody here ever given bad or gotten bad advice? Yeah? Can, I, can a few people share it with me? Anybody? Say, I got, this is some bad advice I got. Anyone? Bobby. Someone told, me not to marry Paul. Someone told you not to marry Paul. Wow. How did it work out? I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> they were wrong. Anybody else? Yes. Somebody told me don't ever trust anybody, they'll always betray you. Which is ironic, because you can then say, I don't trust that, <laughs> right? If you play it against itself. <laughs> Anyone else? No? All right. So I found a few on Twitter. I thought these were pretty good. Uh, Dad, first day of school, go into lunch and just punch the biggest kid. Nobody will mess with you then. I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would work. Val, would it work? Yeah, it might. No? She's not with me. All right. My dad told me the broken escalator was voice activated. I spent 10 minutes yelling, go up, before he told me it was broken. <laughs> my first time eating sushi, my good friend told me that the green stuff, uh, take that green stuff and spread it all over because it will taste better. Mmm. Anybody here ever had the wasabi adventures? Man. To clear your sinuses, though. All right, I was a senior in high school and someone told me my blinker, uh, uh, told me my blinker was out and I needed blinker fluid. I went to AutoZone and asked for it. That'd be the best, being at the counter, being like, I need blinker fluid. Yeah, that, that, that'd be tough. Um, yeah, <laughs> bad advice, right? We've all gotten it. There's... There's the other side, though, too. There's sage advice, like great wisdom advice, that thing that, and I actually have this habit in my life. If I get together around, like, a man or a woman of God who I really respect and admire, I try and ask a lot of questions and shut up. I try. I, I don't always succeed, but I try. And I always ask this question, what's the best lesson you've ever learned in life or in ministry, what's the hardest thing you've ever learned in life or in ministry? I always ask those questions, if I can. Because I wanna, I wanna know what they learn. Uh, because I'm a slow learner, so I need to take in as much as I can, as often as I can. Uh, because 
I want to know, what did, what did they encounter? What did they learn? I love, that's one of the reasons I love Papa G, Gary Grogan, because he just pours out wisdom, and I can call him any time and just tell me, what do you think? Pastor Jim Nichols is another one. I just sit with him. I had coffee with him this past week, um, and, and I just love gleaning his wisdom in his life. These are great men of God. I, I, this, a few weeks ago in a presbyter meeting that I had to go to, I, I sat with our superintendent and I asked him that question. What's the best thing you've learned? What's the, what's the, what's the hardest thing you've learned? And, and they answer the questions. It's so valuable. James rounds out his book with that information. So if you have your Bibles, you go to James chapter 5, starting at verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the, for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or on earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Here's the overall theme right here in this section. Live with endurance endure. Live a life that endures. The greatest athletes in the world, um, they are there partially because they have incredible talent. But they also have an insane ability to endure. In fact, there are sports psychologists, and, and they literally specialize in counseling and giving advice to Olympic athletes, NBA players, uh, MLB and NFL players, and they, they'll counsel them. And they, they have even said, you know, at this level, most of their talent is somewhat equal. The difference for most of them at this point is mental. And they get this ability to endure. Much of endurance is in our mind and is in our heart and far more than in our physical ability. But right, the greatest athletes in the world have grown an incredible ability to endure. I used to despise Tom Brady, okay? I felt like it was, I felt like Tom Brady was like certain elections. Like, I just didn't believe it was real. You know, I just didn't feel good about it. I didn't like him, etc. But then he went to Florida, and he won more with a very different group of people around him and different coaches. And I was like, all right, this guy's legit. <laughs> Not only that, the thing that really convinced me is he played like that in his 40s. I'm in my 40s. Something's different about that dude, <laughs> right? 
Okay, something's weird. Like he has a diet. Uh, he had like an anti-inflammatory diet he's lived off for years. Now, I could do that too if I could pay a personal chef to bank all my food and meals. I would be amazing. I would be in such good shape if I could do that. But he, he, he lived that way. No sugar, no breads, no caffeine, which just sounds like hell to me anyway. But he, and he, and he lived that way and he avoided so much injury but what he really learned to do was endure. We believe that life in the Western world is supposed to be this constant gaining of accomplishments and succeeding. Life is going to be an Instagram reel or a good TikTok reel. And, and it's just going to be amazing all the time. That is not life. Doesn't mean we won't hit major goals and huge accomplishments. But anybody ever hit them and realize it's not enough? It, 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 it doesn't fill you the way you thought it would? It's not as exciting? Or after a little bit of time? I actually recently read a Jim Carrey quote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it here, but Jim Carrey basically said, I wish everybody in the world could be as famous and as wealthy as me to find out uh, it really isn't enough. It won't satisfy. Interesting, right? Contentment and wholeness is found in Jesus. We talked about that last week. And then learning to endure through it all. And we endure because we believe God is coming. And he's coming back for me. We expect God to move. And we live we, we don't endure like, I'm just going to grit the pain. Oh, I hate everything, but here we go. That's, that's not endurance. Endurance is saying, I am going through something with expectation. And if you expect God to move, if you expect him to come to return, you will endure. Right? It's the next thing we're going to talk about. We're not there yet, but it's living with expectation. But these two go together right? You live with expectation, you can endure more. If you endure more, you will expect more, right? If you're in the gym enough, you will lift more eventually. You can run further eventually. Not right away. It takes a long amount of time. You know what I've found? It takes so much longer to lose weight than it does to gain it. I'm so much better at gaining it. It's so much faster and more enjoyable, but it takes no endurance. It takes a lot of endurance. But endurance is just that, the ability to keep going just a little more, a little further, and then you arrive at something that you're like, hey, I, I didn't know I could do that. Wow, look what God did there. Had I just hung in long enough, so what do we have to endure? Well, one of the things we have to endure is the times. These are not the brightest days. <laughs> now let's go into Christmas time, so we're not going to talk a lot about cup politics. Hallelujah. Everybody say amen. <laughs> All right? These are not the brightest times. Everybody's questioning everything. I literally saw in the, week, in the news this last week, there's like this TikTok thing taken off of people posting about how Bin Laden got it right. Americans saying this, reading his letter, saying, oh. now they, 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 they missed the part in the letter where he talked about genocide. 
But how in the world? What is? Things are so dark. I don't care. I don't care what you think about it. Like, I, I, I don't. I don't understand how anybody can be like, yeah, I'm pro genocide. No. These are dark days. People's minds are lost. And we can curse them, or we can say, God, help us to endure. How do I love that person? How do I show them you? How do I look like light amidst these days? They're dark. How do I look like light? Jesus rebuked that even. He said, did you take your light and you hide under a bushel? You're like, I'm going to hide it here so nobody affects my light. Don't do that. It's really dark, but the darkness loses to light every time. You never walk into a room, turn the light on, you hear the light being like, hey, darkness, get out of here. Stop. It doesn't happen. If it does, again, see somebody after. All right. Endure the people. You know what it talks about there? Don't grumble against each other. He's talking to the church. He's not talking about the world. We can address things in, in, in our days and in our times, and we can do it in a godly way. I believe in that. I don't believe in total retreat from society. But we aren't like, well, oh, Pastor Brian, he's just the world. I can't stand the way he does this, and I don't like the way he does that. It's one thing to address things in a healthy, godly way. It's another thing to live there and, and let it start taking root in your life because it's going to eat you up, right? Bitterness is drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. It's killing you, not them. I can't believe my wife. She's just doing this and never does this for me. Stop. How's that working for your marriage? Terrible, right? I can't believe my kids. They're just they're never there for me. Like They just need to be the, the grumbling. It's killing us. One of the things I've tried to resolve a lot more in my life lately, since I've preached it, speaking more life. Am I succeeding? Eh, sometimes. I feel like maybe 10%. But I'm trying to more. Just speak more life. And part of that starts with just stopping speaking death. Just don't say the bad thing you want to say. Right? What's it going to do? How's it going to help? Those lights didn't come on right today. I didn't, the sound wasn't on the online thing. I can't believe it. Stop. There are things we've got to address sometimes, things we've got to fix. But the truth is, who cares? Speak more life. There's far more good than there is evil. Why? Because Jesus. The world looks dark and bad right now. Okay. Then stop looking at it so much. Look at Jesus a little more. Read the words some more. Praise a little bit more. Pray a little bit more. Worship a little bit more. Let's get our eyes off it. I'm talking to me. I really am. Because some of it is so not helpful. It just tears us down. I'm not saying we can't, we need to be aware. You know I'm a fan of that, okay? But we, this is how we endure people. As we start seeing them through Jesus' eyes and not through the things that we expect or need them to do. Endure the suffering. Jesus said it's going to come. You will suffer some in this life. It's just going to happen. The problem with us, and, and 
in our societies, we're going to suffer, but we run from it, literally. Oh, the taxes in Illinois are so bad, I'm running from the suffering. Uh, Hey, I'm not saying, man, there's a lot of people who, a lot of people who came to Thrive who moved out of the state or, or, or moved back to a state. We had a family that came here from Florida, moved back to Florida. I can't blame them. We miss them. They were a great family, wonderful people. Um, and, and, but what I would tell you is whatever you do, and I'm not talking about living, whatever it is, thrive, the place you live, the place you work. It's, are you enduring suffering or are you trying to get away from it? Do what God's called you to do. And a lot of times, he's calling us to endure, not to run. A lot of times. He's far more interested in our faithfulness and our fruit than our success. Because to him, that is success. And that comes from endurance. Where would a plant be if every time, every time the weather got bad, we dug it out of the ground and we moved it? It's not going to make it. It's going to die. That's why we named this church Thrive. It's an agricultural term. It's not a hipster cool term. I mean, it was for like five minutes. It's not anymore. So, but that was the idea. A plant that you put in the ground. Now, I don't know if you know, most plants, unless they're big, strong trees, they look weak. But root systems go down deep. And when those root systems grow and expand, that plant becomes strong and stronger. But when weather comes and hits that plant, the roots actually increase it, right? It seems like weather destroys the earth, and, but that's not what it does. Winter doesn't destroy the earth. It prepares the soil for the next year of harvest. So what looks like death is actually Life on pause. (laughs) We are meant to endure a lot of things. And that being said, it's not an awesome message to hear. Nobody wants to hear, hey, you're going through this, you're not getting out of it. (laughs) Oh, what a wonderful message. You know, nobody titles their book that. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Cassie's got a great book. We we endorse. I can't have a will. And it's a lot of her story about the hell she went through, a terrible boating accident that almost took her life. It's unbelievable. Now, did you sign up for that? Are you like, well, let's do that again? No, right? Can I have a will? I'd rather not again. Would probably be the next book, right? That's all of us, right? (laughs) Same here, right? That's all of us. And it's okay. It's good. None of us, it's okay to not want suffering. It's not okay to run from it. Not biblically. And the most mature Christians, and I don't know if I'm there yet, now look at suffering and say, all right, Lord, I'm with you. Just don't leave me. Hold my hand. I'll go through it. I'll learn what you want me to. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but I'm closer than I used to be. 
I don't despise the suffering nearly as much as I used to. So we live with expectancy and endurance at the same time. We believe God and we trust him. And he talks about Job. He talks about, look what Job, you know, all of those things. And Job struggled and wrestled and he hurt. I mean, so much of Job, the majority of the book of Job is him saying, God, what the heck? And his friends saying, it's all your fault. Good friends. <laughs> yeah. And Job being like, it's not my fault, and God, what the heck? Like, that's the book. And then God shows up, and he says to all of them, everybody shut up. And this is who, this is who James uses as an example. And God never counted it against Job as sin. Saying, God, what's going on? Help me, Lord. But he clung he endured. He kept the faith. Man, some of you have been hurt by church over your life, over different things, and you hold on and you hang in there. I say to you, well done. Thank you for not taking your ball and going home. Because that's not what believers do. Believers say, when everybody quits, I'm not. I will endure. The other side of that, and he wraps this part up with the other start. If you want to endure, one of the things you're going to have to do is stay integral and honest. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? One commentary said it this way, our truthfulness should be so consistent and dependable that we, need to, an, oh, we don't need an oath to support it. A simple yes or no should suffice. Our mere word should be as utterly trustworthy as a signed document, legally correct and complete. And you know, it's funny, we actually live in that society. We live in a society where an oral, uh, uh, an oral contract is legally binding. Very hard to uphold in court, though. But it is true, we are meant to be that people. If we say we'll be there. Doesn't mean there's no grace, doesn't mean like, hey, you know, I got sick, I can't come. All right, yeah, of course there's grace. But if we say, hey, I will be at work at this time, that's it, we're there. One of the easiest ways to be a person of your word is to be on time to something, or even early. If you're like, oh, I'm always late. Okay, and, and I love you, this is not me picking on you, but I'm gonna pick on you. Somebody views that as a lack of integrity. How dare they judge me like that? Well, I mean, you said you'd be at a place at a certain time, and you're not, which is your word not being held up. I'm not saying there's no room for that in your life ever. I'm saying consistently. It's, it's very easy, okay? If you're going to show up when you need to be at work, be at work. That's it. Do the work you say you're going to do. Follow through. But people know they can count on what you say. It's very easy. Be a person of your word. If you want to make it to the end, if you want to make it to the other side of eternity, and the longer you're in church, the more easy it is to rely on grace and, and, and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. But if we no big deal, everything in life, eventually we're no big deal. Our word matters. Okay. He moves on. And if you want to continue to endure, you've got to pray. 
Verse 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Any of you happy? Sing praises. Any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered with the faith offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins one to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall for three and a half, no rain fell for three and a half years. And he prayed again, sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Live with expectation. Keep praying and keep confessing. Live with expectation that God is always moving, can move, will move. Always. When was the last time you prayed for somebody to be healed and believed God will heal? When was the last time you prayed for God to move on your behalf and you But here's the thing. We pray with expectation without endurance. We pray and expect, and the next day it doesn't happen, then we stop expecting because our expectation has no endurance. You got to have both. Expectation without endurance is a fast food line. That's not the type of faith he's working out in us. Expect with endurance that God will move. That something will happen. That God can do anything. And never stop believing that. Believe that to the other side of eternity. And I guarantee you, it'll help. It'll change your life. CNN, not that long ago, did an article on it. Right? And, and they said, in this article from CNN, they, they did this basically study of How does this affect somebody over time? What are the health benefits of this? What what happens uh, with with this? And the health benefits of prayer, you become less anxious. You become less aggressive. You have greater peace in your life. You have a greater sense of control. Isn't it interesting? When When you go to the one who actually is in control, you have a sense of greater control. You have a sense of support. You have less anger. When we rely on the, one, the only one that can really be relied upon. Right? Why aren't we praying more? And we are doing a pretty good job. We are praying more as a church. I love it. But individually, with our families, up the prayer game. Here's the thing. Men don't love to pray. And you know what? I'm going to say it. That sucks. Luke 22, 44 to 45 He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At least he at last he stood up and returned to the disciples, only to find new, uh, only find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked. Get up and pray, so that you'll not be given into temptation. Jesus sweat drops of blood. Real men pray; lesser men sleep. That's our new t-shirt, somebody write it down. Real men pray, lesser men sleep. You don't have to pray for three hours every day. But if you're not praying, wake up. Men pray, 
Jesus prayed so hard he sweat drops of blood. And if you're going to tell me there's a greater man than Jesus, you and I are in strong disagreement. The greatest man praying the greatest prayer of all time, sweat drops of blood. Real men pray. And they pray with expectation that God is going to do, do something or he's, gonna, he's either going to do something out here or in here or both. But he's going to do something. And I will, I will go to my grave believing that. Hungry for God to move. James is telling us, pray with expectation. Pray that he will heal. Pray that God will move. And don't ever stop. I have a dear friend, dear friend, not here, lives in another state, is in a wrestling crisis right now of what God does or doesn't do anymore, you know, New Testament stuff. And I was like, here's, wherever you land, just don't land in the position of saying what God can't do because that is never a position you want to be in. I mean, yeah, God can't break his word. God can't lie, right? God can't, but man, God can do anything he wants. Do we live with that kind of expectation? So, I need like two young people volunteers. One or two. Quick, fast, come up. All right, come on. Come on, girl. Faster. <laughs> All right. If you were to choose between these two, which would you choose? Envelope. Which would you choose? You choose the envelope too? All right, rock, paper, scissors for it. Best two out of three, go. Oh, man, you're bad at this. All right, well, so you choose the envelope? All right, go ahead and open it. What's in it? Nothing. Nothing. What's in this? Yeah, you should open it. You won it or lost it. A little faster, a little faster. It's Christmas. Is this how she is on Christmas? Like, I'm going to take my time. It's not glass. You're not going to break it. What is it? It's a gift card. Nice. Go sit down. Well done. Now, hold on. Hold on. Time out. No, you can sit down. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Both of them, and everybody else in this room did it too, both of you picked the envelope. Do you know why? Because you thought I was messing with you and trying to do something with you, and neither one of you had an expectation that the good thing could be a good thing. We're all like that. We're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're always expecting the worst. What else could happen? What if God could just be good? What if he wants to do something for you? What if you've been enduring and he's smiling on you the whole time? Endure with expectation. And lastly, and the worship team could come on up, go to verse 19. And he talks about accountability and confession in that last, last section. 
expectation, part of living with expectation is talking to the right people with the right language. Talk about your sin, but do it in a way that brings life. Do it in a way that somebody's accountable and going to build you up and help you through it. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone, is a, a wanders, someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from the wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Live to expand. Live to expand the kingdom of God. When somebody walks away, go get them. Don't be like, has the pastor called them yet? The pastor should be on them. No. You do it. I love you. No. I am not the church. I work here, thank you, but I'm not it. People don't stay in this church because of me. I'm not that sexy. My wife thinks I am, but nobody else does. And that's fine. It's good. But I don't need to be, because Jesus is. People belong, people stay with a family of God when they feel loved and wanted. And that's not because of me. And if it is, expand your theology. Broaden it past one person. I hope you can look around this room and be like, that person loves me, and that person loves me, and that person loves me, and that person loves me. But you may be able to look around this room and find out somebody who's not here, maybe who used to be. Go get them. Expand the kingdom. I want you to look at the empty seats in this room and ask the question, why is it empty? Well, it's because Pastor Ryan doesn't preach like the way it's should. We don't pray enough about this. We should be singing this song, and I don't understand why we're not. We should be having these kind of groups. And if we had a midweek program, maybe if we had a building, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Show me any of that in the New Testament, in the church in Acts. They didn't have a building. They were being eaten by lions, which seems like enough of a deterrent. Um, uh, and they were a bunch of outcast nobodies. Nobody had the education. They didn't have an amazing worship team. They didn't have an amazing setup teardown team. They didn't have nearly as many good-looking people as we do. They didn't have any of that. And they went and got them because Jesus went and got them, and that was enough. doing all you can to expand the kingdom. If Jesus is enough, we'll go get him. I brought people to my church growing up, friends of mine in high school. None of them ever came back. I I know, I know many of you reach out. I, I know many of you do. I know many of you invite. I know many of you witness on a regular basis. I'm not saying you don't. But I remember my church growing up, this is really before like the whole seeker movement took off. Our church was awesome, but it was not cool. You know, the newest Gaither stuff was a lot of what we did. It was a guy on a piano. Sometimes there was more instruments. Our pastor was an old Swedish missionary from Liberia who could 
had a thick accent and wasn't that great of a preacher. And the place was packed because God was moving. And I brought my friends because I knew God was going to move in that place. I wasn't worried about what was preaching, being preached. I wasn't worried about what might or might not be said or what should or shouldn't be done. It's just like if God's in the house and his people come to worship, somebody could, God could wreck their life if they came that day in a really good way. Bring them. When we're going into Christmas, it's like the best time to bring people. You can do all kinds of weird stuff. People are like, that's Christmas. Right? We're going to have snow at some point. We're going to have hot chocolate. We're going to be making ornaments. We have other fun surprises you have no clue are coming over Christmas. It's the best time to bring somebody. And you're like, well, they don't want to come. And then just look at them like it's Christmas. Don't you love Jesus? <laughs> and if they're Muslim, they might say no. And then be like, well, it's Christmas. Don't you love me? You should come to church with me. Whatever you got to do, go get them. And do it with endurance and expectation. That's who we are. So James rounds it out with that. Let's stand together. Live with endurance. Live with expectation and live to expand the kingdom. Be that people. This Thanksgiving, some of you are dreading it. Why don't you go into it with expectation? God just might do something Thursday. I might just get a chance to pray with the person that I love so much and is so lost. I might just hear them rag on one more thing that I don't hear about. I'm going to endure them. And I'm going to expect that God's going to do something. I'm going to try and expand God's kingdom. That's so good. Death could not hold you. The veils tore before you. What a powerful name it is. In the name of Jesus. Nothing will stand against it. Nothing in my life ever could. Nothing in America ever could. No political party ever could. Jesus reigns. So it's going to be okay. And I'm going to believe that he's going to win because he already told me he was. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh,